With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to the Transfer Deadline Day special episode of the Elm Park Rolls podcast. My name is Paul Mann, and I will be hosting the show today. Well, I would say it's probably been the best 48 hours or at least the most activity we've seen of the highest quality in Reading Football Club's history. How they will all do, none of us actually know yet. But to help me discuss the possibilities and hopes and dreams that will be shattered um, until the next window is Sam Stevenson. Hi, Sam. Hello. And I've also been joined by Alex Everson. Hi, Alex. Evening, Paul. You'll have to give me a second. I think we're about to sign another player. <laughs> yeah. So just bear with me. Yeah, you're right. It has been that kind of 48 hours, hasn't it? It's been absolutely crazy. I mean, uh, links when we saw Mr. Puskas uh, linked with us, nobody thought that was happened. Uh, we've also signed DeLucas Jow. He's almost got forgotten, hasn't he, for five million. We've also signed Raphael, Brazilian international goalkeeper from many years ago from Sampdoria. We've also signed Pele. No, not the Pele, the 27-year-old from Monaco. And we've also signed today Ovi Ejaria. Um, yeah, one word to sum it up, Sam. Uh, there, there, there isn't a word, is there? Come on, like, no. uh, unbelievable, I guess. Yeah. It's just crazy, isn't it? Absolutely mental. I mean, yeah. What do you think, Alex, of the last 48 hours? It's been fun. Like, it really has been a lot of fun just watching uh, watching what's going on. Every single time is a rumour. You think, no, that's not going to happen. And then a couple of hours later, you see, oh, Reading are announcing another signing. And uh, there we go. There's another signing coming. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, it definitely has. And the the one that's really kind of blown away most Reading fans is George Puskas, the Romanian international 23-year-old, reportedly for a fee that's somewhere in between 8 or 10 million. Eventually, it's not initially that much, but we never quite know how much it is. Um, eight goals. He got 10 goals last season for Palermo, who were relegated from Serie B. It's, uh, yeah... I remember watching him in the Euros under 21s and he looked exceptional. Um, it's a tournament, so we know that teams can fall in to that typical trap of seeing him play in a very short window. But Alex, what are you thinking about that player now? We've got him. He looks very exciting. Um, a runner, he looks like a runner. He can score goals from outside the area. He scores with his head. Seen as seen his goals from last year and right foot left foot uh he seems to be able to kind of do it all really um the excitement kind of reminds me of when we signed Leroy Lita if I'm honest uh it was the first kind that was that was kind of the first big name on like wow how have we managed to get him kind of signing and uh I think Pushkash is kind of in that kind of similar 
realm. Uh, it, you, I wouldn't have really expected us to be going out and signing a a player who was in the team of the tournament from the under-21s, like Euro Championships. So to be able to actually not just get him on loan, but to sign him permanently is like, just seems crazy. Yeah, it's such a statement from the owners, isn't it? Um, what did you think of it, Sam? Um, well, I mean, it seems like amazing business, regardless of what, you know, which way you look at it. Um, firstly, you know, the money that's been chucked around, uh, or at least the suggested kind of, you know, um, offer that was made. I don't know where I don't know where this money's come from. I don't know if financial fair play is still an issue. I don't really care, to be honest. Um, but uh, he seems like a player who, you know, he's young. He's going to keep developing. Um, he looks like he's built for the championship in many ways. You know, he scores a raft of different goals. I woke up this morning and and stuck on a compilation video on YouTube and was, was just like, I know he didn't he didn't score loads and loads and loads of goals last season, but the types of goals he scored, they were from all over the place, outside the box, inside the box, headers, um, acrobatics, all, all sorts of different goals. And and hopefully, you know, if he develops one way or another, he'll either help us or he'll be worth more in the coming years. And, and you know, we'll be able to make a bundle off the back of him. Um, uh, you know, as long as... <sighs> As long as he hits the ground running, um, I'm I'm really really excited. Um, it's really hard to come up with words for any of this stuff, you know, because it's a it's happened so quickly and I haven't had time to process any of it yet. But also, it's just yeah, not the kind of player that we'd normally sign. Uh, it's not the ready way, is it? At all, it's a kind of such an unusual situation. I actually, uh, as much as it's not the Reading way, it it does feel like it's an advancement of the Reading way in a sense because it's still going out signing players who are uh, yet to be fully like developed. And realistically, like Sam said, if if Pushkas manages to score, I don't know, twenty goals, twenty five goals, is he going to be worth? Eight million, like we're paying for him at the end of the season, or is he going to be worth fifteen or sixteen? Um, so it, it feels like an advancement of the Reading way, just basically like hyperinflated up to eight million, rather than being eighty thousand for Shane Long, Gavin Doyle. Yeah, those days uh, seem so long ago at the moment, don't they? <laughs> but the whole football world is changing since, hasn't? But the ability to pick up transfers so cheap like that is so hard. I, I just can't see how that's going to be happening for many clubs now. It's just, I look at his industry, I look at his teamwork, and I look at those are the key things that you need in the Gomez system. And we're going to have another player that's signed us who maybe isn't known for those key factors, and that is Lucas Jow. Um, if you look at anything comments from Sheffield Wednesday, it will mix from uh, very lazy, not a great attitude, to... He could be an absolute superstar and absolutely brilliant. We saw, we've seen his ability at Medeski Stadium in the last two seasons for Sheffield Wednesday, scoring two absolutely superb goals. What do you think on that one, Sam? Is he going to get as many goals as last season? He got 10 last season, 31. Uh, so he, he was a super sub last season, right? He scored the most goals from off the bench, I think, for yeah, most, Wednesday. Most. And um, I mean, obviously, we've seen what he can do. But funnily enough, how many players over the years have we signed that other player, other teams have written off, other sets of fans have said, you know, he's got the talent, but for whatever reason, he doesn't show it. Um, and they've they've pulled things out of the bag for us. I mean, 
I know Barrow of recent years hasn't been great, but that first season he was with us, he was top scorer um, in a very poor team. And he was a, felt like a similar type of signing, obviously, for less money. Um, hopefully, if we can get the most out of him, you know, he's got the talent. And, and he's obviously going to be playing with some pretty decent players um, who want to want to keep the ball on the deck and will probably play to his strengths. Um, it, it's, but it's a funny one, right? Like, yesterday, you were like, fuck yeah, we signed Zhao. And now you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's... Um, it's kind of, yeah, he, he's he's going to be a really, really great player. I think, you know, there's a chance that he might end up playing from the bench, um, similar to... to I, think the, he's, I think he's nearly guaranteed to play from the bench. Um, and, and, I think he's starting behind Pushkas. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the kind of the issue, right? Like, presumably he moved here to play, and I, I don't know. Um, but he's still a great signing, and you're not going to complain about depth. The problem we've had, and we've talked about it on the podcast multiple times this season um well over the summer rather and and even at times last season before we made all the signings we did depth's been a real issue for us um especially since letting all these players go trying to you know clear the books slightly over the summer um and we've now got more players in in the positions we were struggling with midfield still a bit of an issue but um yeah Zhao is a you know more depth in positions that we were worried about. So I'm not going to complain even if he even if he comes on from the bench. Yeah, I mean, it's a four-year contract. Um, that's quite a long contract for uh, a player. Um, what do you think on the length of contract, uh, Alex? Is that worrying anyway? Uh, I, I guess a little bit, but I, I think it probably has... The length of contract is probably a little bit to do with getting around uh, financial rules to an extent. They can sign him down to like a long-term deal, then his value gets written off over a longer time time period. So, although it's although five million was like the fee, it's coming off at like one what is it one point two five a year. So it's actually in reality it's not that much per year. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not too worried about it. I think he's twenty five, twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you're tying him down for probably the peak of his career, realistically. Sheffield Wednesday have had him since he was, what, 19 or 20, I think. And he's kind of done OK to an extent at Sheffield Wednesday and, and never really, like, lit the world alight. But as you said, the, they've a number of them have said he's got the ability and he does just doesn't always show it. You only need him to kind of improve his consistency. If, you think, if, if they think he's got the ability... There isn't like that. There shouldn't be a huge gap. You'd hope from being able to kind of just bring that ability out slightly more often, rather than the one in three that he's currently at. Maybe he gets it down to one in two, and even then, you're like looking at a massive improvement in a player. Yeah, I'd yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, that's thirteen million minimum that we spent on two players there. Uh, however, you spread that out, that's crazy money for Reading. And the next player they want to talk about was a little bit cheaper, thankfully for everyone, probably uh, mostly our accountants, was uh, Rafael, the Brazilian international goalkeeper from many years ago, uh, 2012. He's played a, a couple of appearances for Brazil. We don't often sign players that have signed for that country, so that's on its own. Is quite unusual. He hasn't played many games in the last few years at all. He's also played for Napoli. He started at Santos. 
terminated his contract to join us as Sampdoria. Um, we also signed in a similar kind of situation with appearances last season, Emmy Martinez. That ended up quite well, I think most of our fans would agree. How do you think this one's going to go, Sam? Um, it's tough, right? Like he hasn't, he really hasn't played many games over the last few years. Um, and and he's one of those signings where I think a lot of our fans and myself included have been uh, kind of guided by various social media accounts and um, journalists who have seen him play who have said, you know, exciting signing, you know, he's a good goalkeeper, just needs a clean break, that kind of stuff. I think it's maybe because of the, you know, where he's come from, possibly the same with a lot of these signings, to be honest. The teams they've come from have kind of heightened that excitement level. Um, uh, but, you know, we need a keeper. Um, I very much doubt that uh, we'd go out and sign someone who we weren't sure was going to, you know, at least be serviceable. And again, given our record, well, I say our record, January and then now, you know, in getting players in who have turned out to be pretty top-notch, um, any of the signings that have come in um, this transfer window, including um, Raphael, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly content with, and I think they're going to do a decent job. Um, we, we seem to, yeah, we seem to be doing a, a solid job of actually, you know, scouting players and making sure they're the right fit. So um, I, I've got no problem with this. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited about everything at the moment right now, Andretti. Absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of I saw the comments from uh, Gomez uh, in the press conference he did yesterday saying they're going into the season with a 17-year-old in Jekyll Anderson and a 19-year-old Joel Virginia was not necessarily the kind of ideal he was insinuating. Do you think uh, Raphael will come straight into the team, Alex? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't see why he would have signed if he wasn't going to be number one. I can't see him coming here to compete with Virginia, who's here on loan and 10 years younger than him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if he's not kind of like the immediate number one choice. And then you have Virginia as your backup keeper. I'm a little, it was a bit of a surprise to see him come in, in all honesty, because it kind of makes the Virginia loan seem a bit pointless in all honesty. I mean, it doesn't seem to really add much to the squad by bringing in a backup keeper who's 19 from a Premier League team. Why not put, even even just have Walker on the bench? Walker's not that good, but, you know, you're not really, how often do you play your backup keeper in a season? Maybe these once. Are, these are the kind of questions, I think, that when people start to, like, analyse what's gone on behind the scenes in regards to financial fair play and all that kind of stuff, these are the kinds of signings that you're going to look at and say, well, if we bought Virginia in, maybe we didn't think we were actually going to be able to spend any money and, you know, whatever. It, and some it, feels, people... it feels like this signing has definitely come as a bit of a surprise at the end where they've basically gone, oh, it seems we can actually get someone in. Yeah. Probably should. Yeah. yeah that's exactly my thinking as well. I think Virginia was signed without kind of the knowledge that we could do this. We thought we might be able to do it. But I'm still not quite sure why we've signed him. Even without the ability to make these uh, late signings, it does seem a bit strange to have him there at the moment. And alone for the whole of the season, it, unless Rafael has a terrible run of form. And How many games is he really going to get? Three, four now? Like, yeah. wouldn't, they be, wouldn't up, isn't they it be better really? off staying at Everton's under-23s, do you think? But... Yeah. I mean, it seems unlikely we're going to send him back, so 
No, I don't think. Well, Gomez confirmed that he'd be staying with us, didn't he? So I don't think that's going to be happening. Uh, we now we saw in the game against Sheffield Wednesday that the midfield looked lightweight, quite inexperienced, and we've done something about it. We've got in Pele, the 27-year-old from Monaco. He's also been at Benfica. He's played in numerous clubs, and he's been at Genoa as well. He was at Northern Forest last season. He made nine appearances. Mixed opinions again on his ability, but it is key to point out that they had Martin O'Neill as a manager, um, a man who doesn't even know how to use a laptop in 2019, <laughs> compared to uh, Gomez, who is definitely the 2019 man. He is uh, the front of GQ magazine, if there's ever been one at Ready Football Club. <laughs> Sam, what do you think on this uh, bit of business then? Um, so he's he's kind of a bit of a journeyman. He's been to a lot of different clubs. And I actually wrote some stuff down, but it's not that exciting. Uh, he's actually, you mentioned Milan, Benfica, like he's zero appearances for their first teams. Um, obviously, he's been part of their setup. Um, and he did go on loan to Forest last season, had nine appearances. But again, as you mentioned, they kind of shit the bed um, when O'Neill came in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was a good fit for that kind of player. But... Uh, Exactly the same as Raphael. I'm being led by Twitter accounts and various opinions across the internet that suggest that he is a, a handy player. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, we've had a debt problem, especially in midfield. So having a, a natural central defensive midfielder who can sit alongside Rinomota um, and hopefully free him up a bit more to make those kind of, you know, uh, runs forward with the ball that he was making previous to well this season. Um will be really useful and and it also means that you know we don't have to rely on someone like Charlie Adam if Winamoto or Swift or or um, Elise or someone ends up getting injured in in centre midfield um we really really needed depth there and it seems like you know he's going to be a pretty solid and um, player probably to come in and start but if not very least you know rotate and cover that kind of thing but um yeah again it's really hard to know paul it's really hard to know like it's not really no come from monaco that alone should should excite everybody it's really really cool that we're bringing in players of this caliber but um i don't know that much about him um well most of us are going off on this particular one are going off stats aren't we because none of us have ever seen him play love have you seen him play live alex no um, <laughs> but the the interesting the interesting thing uh, I think about him is that when he was sold to Monaco from Rio Ave, it was a week after Gomez joined Rio Ave. Mm. Um, so he probably had some idea of how talented the guy is, and hasn't. It's not just a random loan signing from Europe. Um, they clearly do know each other and have some kind of relationship, despite the fact that he was sold so early on in his like tenure at Rio Ave. So, um, I mean, uh, like I, I don't really know much about him either. Can't can't say I know a huge amount about him at all. But I mean, he's played a hundred games in the Portuguese top flight. You're not gonna, you're not going to be a terrible player, like realistically. I mean, you're not going to be an awful player. He'll probably even even if he's not the first choice central midfield, or you know, and he's a backup player, he's probably going to be serviceable at the very least. You'd think. Um, yeah, you would hope so. In his last season at Rio, in two thousand seventeen, he got seven goals in thirty-one appearances. I think he took penalties, so still, I'm not going to. 
Yeah, yeah. they still have to score them though. At least we've got someone who can take penalties. Yeah, I mean that's nice. So I'm not yeah, going to complain too much, too much about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think he he should be fine. Like, uh, and he, I can't see him struggling too much to be honest in the championship. I know he played what ten games for Forest last year, but um, it's yeah another option in central midfield, which, as we said last week, we badly needed. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. I mean, the, the central midfield, I mean, I, the whole of the team was a bit of a worry on this, against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Most worrying was the defence, but we talked about that in the previous podcast, so uh, let's not get bogged down in that one. Um, uh, and the last signing that we have made in the transfer window was only a couple of hours ago, and that was the return of Ovi Ejaria. Now, I've got to say, I'm really delighted by that one. I really like Ejaria. I like his kind of energy. He's got a bit of tackling him. He's got really fast feet. And I think there is a lot more to come from him. Now he's going to have a base. It's kind of, it's one of those technical ones when I think we are trying to, um, uh, I hope nobody's listening for the Football League, slightly trying to uh, avoid financial fair play. It's a loan signing with a, a reportedly a 3 million to 3.5 million fee. And Liverpool have also got a 20% sell-on. It's with an obligation to sign at the end of the season. Sam, how happy are you to see him back? Um, I think he's possibly the signing that I'm the most excited about, just because, you know, he's a known quantity with us. um, And we know what he can do. And, uh, you know, when he came in, there was talk of, I don't know, issues with attitude and whatnot. And we managed to turn him around. And that's the thing, I think, that makes me the most exciting, excited about any of these other signings that we've made, where there is talk of attitude from Zhao being an example of that. You know, um, Ijaria is, is kind of the, um, the benchmark, I guess, for that kind of player. And, and yeah, I mean, he came in, he did a great job, um, great with the ball at his feet, um, scored for us, um, linked up really well with, with, the, with the rest of the team. And, you know, the manager knows him. He understands how we play. I just, yeah, I, I think he's great. And also the the deal that we got, you know, being able to pay that at the end of the season um, really, really helps us, right? Um, it's, yeah, really, really fantastic signing. Um, really, really happy to have him back. Yeah, I think 3 million or 3.5 million for a player of his ability. And he's only 21, I yeah, mean, he's yeah. got so much potential to get better. Is he going to be the next Zidane? No, he's not going yeah. to be that good. But he's got potential to get better. And it doesn't take a lot in the championship to get a huge fee. If you have a really successful season, hopefully he'll stay with us as the owners have shown. They're not willing to sell players, as Danny Loder has found out today, to a uh, slightly difficult era for him now. But moving back to Ovi Ajiria, Alex, how are you feeling about that one? I am also very excited about Ajaria. Um, he's a he's a real driver of the ball, which is what I like most. He picks the ball up and he's not afraid to just move forwards 10 yards with the ball before he does something with it. Um, and I mean, the ball sticks to his feet like it's like he's got glue on it or something. It's ridiculous. Like watching him last season went at the points when, uh, when he picks the ball up in midfield and he can just get out of the tightest situation with the ball literally stuck to his foot, which is, it's really awesome to see when you, you have a player who's got control like that. Um, so yeah, I'm massively excited to see it. I'm probably not, it's probably not my like most excited signing out of the 
the group, but I'm very excited to see Ajaria come back. Um, and it gives it it gives Gomez some options in midfield as well. Um, like two central midfield signings, and all of a sudden you go from being like, well, you're going to play Rinomota and Swift there every game, to actually don't know who's going to start in central midfield realistically, because now there's four of them, and there's Charlie Adam, and there's some youngsters as backing them up as well. So uh, don't, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough selection, I think, for Gomez. Yeah, really tough, but what a great situation he's in now, as he spoke about earlier today, saying that he's now got backup selections, there's no obvious choices. Having someone, I personally would put uh, Ijaria above Swift. I think he's got more to his game, and I think he can play that role quite comfortably. I think it really depends on what system you're playing and the opposition. Um if you play two in midfield, then yeah, I don't really see the advantage of playing Swift particularly. If you play three in midfield, maybe maybe I'd play Swift if we were at home against the weaker opposition potentially. But I mean, it's I think Gomez is going to have to. He's probably I think this is the, the probably only kind of my only kind of worry now is a lot of fans are going to have very high expectations this season, and it could quite easily take six, eight, ten games now for Gomez to find what his best team is. Um, because, I mean, even scrolling through Twitter today, and there was countless different teams in countless different formations, which I've seen, this is our best 11 from different fans. Not many of them match, in all honesty. Um, I've seen Zhao playing up front on some of them. I've seen Zhao playing on the left of a wide three. And I've seen Zhao playing behind a striker, uh, on the right-hand side, but not as a striker, as a part of a three-man, like four-one, four-two-three-one. So, I think it might take a few games for these signings to really, like, potentially not hit their stride, but just come into where, like, where Gomez knows who his best eleven is. Yeah, it's it, totally. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really um, to expect us to come in and suddenly hit the kind of. Just hit straight away as a perfect formula is going to be really... Oh, it's almost impossible, isn't it? I mean, we obviously all hope it happens, but I just can't see it happening. It could take... It's going to take at least a month to six weeks, I would say, like you say, Alex, to get that sorted. And I think once we get the pre-season... No, once we get to that first international break, I think we'll we'll have a much better idea of what we're, like, what we're going to be like this season. Um, and I think that's after the... I want to say it's after the Bristol game. No, sorry, that's the second international break. It's at the end of September anyway, uh, start of September anyway. So I think we're six games into the season. I think after that sixth game, we'll have a much better idea of like who's playing up front, who's our main, main midfielders, what's our style, what formation do we play? Um, and I mean, like last this time last week, no one could have answered really any of those questions. Um, I, I mean, spe- especially after the Sheffield game, uh, Sheffield I, Wednesday game. I am going to say though, like... Obviously, we have to discuss this, but outside of all of that, I'm just so fucking excited. Like, it's it's been (laughs) years of turgid shite, and we're finally at a point where, you know, I feel like we've won the league and we lost our first game. Um, I don't care what happens now. Um, You know, you're you're absolutely right, though. It's going to take time for um, the players to bed in, but hopefully, you know, we managed to pull something out of the bag and Gomez has at least some idea of where these players are going to sit and even if we're not playing the strongest team, we can still, you know, at least grind out. Yeah. Um, 
because um, that first game of the season, like every team's going to lose games here and there. Um, the one thing I would say, though, is off the back of this, like, what would you say would be considered unacceptable in terms of a finishing position? Because I know people are, a lot of people on Twitter, there are people who are like, we've won the league. There are people who are like, oh, you know, playoffs would be fantastic. We're definitely going to get playoffs. I genuinely think with the money we've spent, we've got to be aiming for a top six finish. I, I, I know it's crazy to maybe suggest that off the back of the last few seasons, but we spent a lot of money. And I can't imagine the board were like, here's 15 million or whatever. Um, we expect you to come top half. Like, I've got to expect there's some stipulations attached to this to some extent. And I know it's hard for us to know without knowing, you know, the starting lineup and how we're going to set up with all these players and, and whatnot. But I, I can't imagine they'd pay out this much money just to, you know, finish, you know, mid-table. I think the a different question, Sam, maybe actually not what are the, what's the expectation, but it's more what would fans be happy with yeah because that's, the, that's the thing if expectations finished... the expectation of finishing in the playoffs is all yeah. well and good but 17 teams in this league have probably got the same set of expectations sure um, yeah for yeah. me i mean just looking at the team i mean i'd love to be able to say we're going to get into the playoffs that would be brilliant no actually i think about that no i wouldn't i'd love to say we win the league <laughs> <laughs> with the playoffs at all cost yeah, spend another 25 million, Mr. Dyke. It's uh, kind of, but uh, I mean, I look at it and I think we can't suddenly go from where we were last season. It's probably more where would you did be disappointed now? Yeah. I think the top 10, if you finish, say, 10th, 8th, 9th, okay, I don't think you can see that as a disappointment. Maybe the owners would. That's a different question, isn't it? That was my question more because it it feels like, you know, whatever the fans want, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter as much because fans are always going to expect their team to finish higher. What I'm asking you guys is, do you think the owners have said, here's a load of money, go buy a load of players, we expect you to just finish higher than you did last season? Or do you think their expectations are, you know... I think I think they're expecting top 10. Okay. I, I don't think... I mean, maybe they're expecting the playoffs, but I, I personally think they would expect top 10 this season... I know there was some talk around, like, Gomez has mentioned promotion a few times in summer and everyone kind of laughed it off because the fact is our team wasn't looking that good. Um, maybe maybe they are looking for promotion, but I think it, I think it's a bit of a stretch in reality um, for, for even for the owners to kind of, like, even if you throw all this money at it to expect Gomez to go from a team which was 21st last season to then finishing, I don't know, second this season and getting promoted. I so I think if he finishes top 10, I don't think the owners could be hugely disappointed as long as it was a top 10 moving closer to the playoffs, not 10th falling away, like looking down the table and, you know, closer to 16th than 6th. I guess I the money situation... Well, I was going to say, I guess the money situation is what worries me because it's like... Have we gone out and spent all this money thinking, let's just go for it and see if we can make it into the Premier League and then if we can, we can pay off? Or do we think that with Nigel Howe having the position he does, I think it's it, forward, right? He's, they know where they stand and they know they could afford to do this. Uh, I think that they've done a pretty sensible job, in all honesty. Um 
it, we well, we got the money from Jack Stacey's sell on. The yeah. money from Michael Hector. I, I don't know. Has Michael Hector actually moved to Sheffield Wednesday? No. Yet? Yeah. Not I yet. So yeah, I don't think he has. Uh, uh, the assumed money from Michael Hector's loan um, sell on deal, if it happens, um, the money from Bodvarsson leaving, any kind of fee from Kelly leaving. I don't know if there even was a fee in the end. I'm not sure. I'm sure the money from him leaving, the money from Myler leaving, even though there was no fee, it's money off the actual wages. Um, then you look at what we've, actually, what we've actually spent this season in reality, although the headline figure is 13 million or yeah. 15 million or whatever the number is, in reality, the, num- the money we've actually spent, which is going into this year's like accounts, is very low in reality. It's like one and a half million on Pushcast yeah. as a first installment and 1.2 million on Zhao, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Everyone else is either a loan signing, a free, um, or in Ajario's case, is a loan with a permanent deal next year and there's no money going out. Yeah. So if you look at the money we've actually spent this, this like summer, I think we've actually probably kind of broken even. And it's not that we have, I don't think we've gone out and spent a load of money, like just thrown cash at it because the money's just going to be kind of dripped down in the next few years. Sure. Um, so I think there's a lot of, because I say, I saw a lot of fans from other championship teams, oh, how have Reading managed to spend all this money? Weren't they under the soft embargo? Aren't there FFP limits? And like I, I, I've kind of done a little bit of reading about it over the last few days, and the more I can understand it, frankly, I think FFP seems to be a bit of a farce anyway. It doesn't clearly doesn't work if teams can go out and spend that much money um, every year. But uh, it, it seems to me that they've got a pretty good handle on the situation, and actually they haven't actually spent that much real money. Um, <laughs> If it, well, I, don't, I, don't know, I, know, I don't know what the best term is for it is. I know what you mean. It's like they haven't actually yeah. spent. I know money. what you're saying. It's all stag- uh, staggered payments. It's, it's staggered pay- It's staggered payments, and actually, the the net like the net money we've actually spent this summer is probably quite low. Um, although, of course, like the club, it looks way better if you can come out with a headline figure of 13 million spent this summer or 15 million spent. I just don't think that's the reality of the situation. We've probably spent like two and a half or something like that. Um, and then that's kind of offset even then by different sell-on clauses and and uh, different players leaving. So it's, um, I think I think Nigel Howe's probably the best thing that's kind of happened to the club in the past 18 months in reality, because he's actually got so much more of a grip on the situation than, uh, than what Gourlay had. So that's not uh, nice. Let's not sour it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was no, 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 no. In this podcast, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I it, the transfers are, are massively exciting, and I think they're made all the more exciting by the fact that we haven't kind of just we haven't had to go out and spend fifteen million in one go yes. because it, because of the way that they've managed to structure the different frees, loans, transfers, like we've improved the squad hugely, and we haven't actually spent that much money. No, I agree. I mean, if I was to look at the ideal path that we'd take there, it would be... We, I know the owners are probably thinking completely different. They want to finish top of the league. But I'd be happy to finish in the top 10 
this season. Then you build the base for next season. You keep some of the players that are success that we've signed. Some of these won't be a success. It's inevitable. And we'll probably sign some more players in January. But you keep those. You build the foundations. You have Ijari back again. Maybe uh, Rafael will be a good signing. You have Lucas Jal there. You have that solid foundation with Puskas. You have uh, some of the youngsters coming through like Elise. And then next season, like we saw, you know, before in seasons, going back right back to the 106 season, you don't need to make seven or eight signings in the summer. You just make three or four or you get a loaning that you have the season before. We just need to have that kind of strong foundation. To me, it feels a bit like um, a bit like Leeds from last season. I know it's not like Leeds because we weren't in the playoffs, but in the sense of Leeds last season, they were that close to getting promoted realistically. And this summer, they haven't gone out and spent like, you know, bought nine new players to try and improve their side because they're, they're pretty close already. Like, and they've gone out and signed like two players, I think, or three players, and that's it. Disappointing to see with Leeds, isn't it? I prefer when it's uh, in their shambles, yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm going to ask the question who do you think is going to be the top scorer this season now we've completed the summer transfer window? Sam, who are you going to go for? Um, I'm probably going to go Pushkas, I think, because I imagine he'll play the most up front for us at this point. I'm going to go with Pushkas as well. Last week I went with Bulldog with nine. <laughs> I think I said Bulldog with nine goals. I'll be surprised if Bulldog gets nine games now, in all honesty. Yeah, last time I said Ivakovic, so that was just like, <laughs> we've all gone completely. What are yes. players to learn from, though, right? Like, I know Pushkas is young as well, but he's played at a high level. Um, having those two kind of, you know, learning off of each other, I think is, is great. Great for the yeah, it's fantastic, great. isn't it? It's perfect, isn't it? You've got the young players in there, like I mentioned earlier, Lise. But one player who we did briefly touch on was Danny Loder. He looked all set for a move to Wolves today. Um, it reportedly has been pulled at the last moment by Dae Young. He is uh, living by the motto in the last few days of uh, live fast, die young, completely. <laughs> but i got to say, Danny Loder, he's in a tricky position now. I like Danny Loder. I don't think he's a bad player. I think technically he's a really good player. He's still really young. Isn't he 18, I think? A lot of Redden fans are writing him off. He's been playing out of position. He didn't have a good game on Saturday. But how do you think he's going to deal with that, Sam? Um, it's hard to know, right? Like, we've seen players before, Tish Bowler being probably the most recent in memory, uh, leaving the club for pastures new, thinking they're going to, you know, make huge leaps in their careers and actually have struggled. Um, and so I think being here at the moment, feels like the best place for him simply because he is getting game time. Um, Gomez clearly likes him, gave him quite a lot of game time last season as well. Um, Some of that's probably because we didn't have the options, Um, but Gomez clearly does like him as a player. And is it really a great career move? Yeah, the money's probably better, but going to a club where you're going to be back in the under-23s and probably be loaned out at some point when they realise he's not good enough for the first team. They'll send him to the championship or league one, give him some game time. Maybe that's, maybe that's unfair and maybe it is the right, right move for him. Um, but um, I feel like he's got an opportunity here to, to do something and then move on in a, in, you know, in a couple of years, uh, if, if he makes it a much bigger move, I guess. Um, but clubs have been sniffing around him for a while. He's been linked with clubs in Germany and premier league clubs for the last year or so. So I think there is an awareness of his talent. 
Um, it's a matter of time before a big money move materialises, but you know he's he's got to make the right move because it could be career over if he goes and sits on the bench, doesn't do anything, and then just peters out over the next few years. Um, so. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, uh, I've just remembered the pressure, uh, the person we don't mention, well, I don't like to mention on this podcast, uh, left him with only a year of his contract, but we'll move on from that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually probably of the other opinion to Sam. Uh, I don't really think that Loder's going to get that much game time this season now. I think he's yeah. gone from being maybe like first maybe not maybe not first choice striker but i think he's gone from being maybe second choice striker to what like fourth now yeah i'd say he's even lower on the striker maybe front, even lower on the striker front yeah. and then he's behind a lot of wingers now as well a lot of wide forwards um he, but he would be around the first team so he would be, yeah, he'd be around the first team he'll be on the bench and stuff a lot but i don't think he's going to get that much game time realistically now at reading this season um and i think even for him i think the move kind of would have like, I know a lot of people said he would have gone to the under-23s and, and been in Wolves under-23s, but I think the move kind of would have made sense for him. I think, he, I think he's almost, like, when you look at his performances and his general, his general level of development over the last year, it doesn't seem like he's come on leaps and bounds by any means by playing in the first team. And actually, maybe going back to playing under-23s football for another season with Wolves or with Reading, whatever it would be, maybe that actually would have helped him. Um, so, yeah, I, I I feel for him because I think the move is probably, like, he, he from what I read, he kind of had, had his heart set on the move once it was agreed. So um, I do feel for him. But I think realistically, I think he's leaving in a year's time anyway now because I don't think he's going to get the game time at Reading uh, because he's, he's kind of had his path blocked this year now and in a year's time what's what's going to have tempted him realistically to sign a contract with Reading um, when we get promoted uh, to the Premier League Alex well yeah. but then he's then he's going to get even more then he's going to get even less game time isn't he <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't yeah I don't know I think he's just uh, I, I think selling him probably would have been the making the best of a bad situation unfortunately I think it's a bad situation for him to find himself in now it's a bad situation for the club to be in. It's it's just not a great situation for anybody. And I think selling him to Wolves probably would have just kind of been... A, it would have been a nice solution for everybody, but unfortunately that's like not how it's worked out. So just have to... have a habit of pulling out of... Because didn't the Mate didn't the same thing happen with Mate in so, January? Yeah, same like, thing happened. I don't quite know. I mean, Mate obviously did, you know, do us a massive favour towards the end of last season, but... I'm not. I'd be interested to know why we decided actually all of a sudden we don't want to let him go. I don't know if we expected another player to come in on loan. Maybe um, was it Kennedy? Was... Which we don't know how how close that was, how near. I mean, from the things that we've all seen on social media, which is we never know how true that is. Mm-hmm. It, it appears that Kennedy to Reading was from Chelsea was kind of on, but it maybe the player was the one who didn't want to make the move. I mean, I don't, I'm not surprised if that was the case, jumping down from Chelsea on their first team kind of edge of squad down to a championship team like Reading. I mean, I mean, I love the team, but I can see from an outsider. Do you think like that's the reason why 
loaded didn't go uh do you think like we expected kennedy to come in and when that didn't happen we said right we need loaders at least like you know second or third choice whatever um winger i guess like it, it does seem like for it to be that last minute for everything to be ready for reportedly the medical to have taken place for us to then just say no we want to keep him now suggest that we thought some business was going to happen that didn't and we decided we need to keep hold of him i i think that's the case i, I think there must have there must have been some there must have been something in the works probably kennedy by the looks of it um because i otherwise why are you keeping otherwise what's the like what's the advantage of keeping loader around mm. no. you, you've you've managed to get a player like basically to the point of a transfer where he's about to sign a contract and then you turn around and tell him oh no actually we want you to come back uh come back to the club where you've just seen like three three players signing your position in the last two days um and and by the way we like we don't have a new contract for you to sign yet uh so i mean like <laughs> i can't like for him it's gonna it, it's it's just a crap situation and uh I do feel for I him, think, like you said, Alex. It's yeah, tough. I, like it's 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 a tough situation for him to find himself in. I think um, it'll be interesting to see what he does, though. It, like maybe maybe we're going to see a very different side to later in the next six months. Now, maybe he's going to bounce back and really develop on the back of that, like because because of the fact that he knows he's going to have to. He's basically going to have to show himself off this year now to get. Yeah. His, to get a to get a move, we know he's going to get a move in a year's time anyway. Realistically, if he hasn't signed the contract, he's he's moving in a year's time anyway. Um, so he's going to have to, you know, prove himself to to be that kind of big talent. And uh, I can see him going to Wolves in January. Yes, I, I think I can as well. I think if, yeah. if he doesn't get the game time in the next three or four months, I think Wolves will come back in with a slightly lower offer, and Reading won't really have much choice but to accept it. Yeah, because he kind of, I mean. It's all well and good keeping hold of players after they sign a contract, but you also, if a player that young wants to leave and was so close to last time and he's not getting game time, you're going to have to say at some point, hang on, we've got to do the right thing here. Really. He's in a great position as well, isn't he? Because he's obviously sought after. I don't know what other clubs see, um, but they must, for whatever reason, there are other clubs out there who want Danny Loder. So well, I think it's the potential, isn't it? The, because he has... He, although he hasn't shown it in the first team particularly there is a lot of potential in him yeah. which has kind of been, it's obviously been seen because he's been playing for England under 17s he's shown sure. massively well at under 23 levels so there's there's some potential there and obviously these like bigger clubs Wolves the clubs in Germany I think it was Munch and Gladbach in Germany um, they obviously feel like they can bring out that kind of talent in him if he if, it's, if you know if he's not able to show it at Reading and he's able to show it somewhere else then like good luck to him I don't yeah I don't I don't think it's something that we should uh you know he he shouldn't be held back at Reading just because of uh just because there's a you know a potential that we might need him to be the third choice left winger this season it's it, no. it just seems uh selfish is the wrong word but it, it just seems like a bit of a poor decision I think Agree. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a tough one for him to deal with. I know some of our fans will be saying, oh, he's on good money and we should have sold him and all the but it's you know, it's difficult seeing a side in players' head. They have difficult decisions to make. He's really young. But I, you want to test yourself at the top level as well, I think. Yeah, That's I understand that. I, I respect that. I mean, you've got to have belief in yourself, and why shouldn't he? He had a good uh, kind of 
youth career with England. So, yeah, well, it's been a fantastic window. Last few days have been absolutely crazy. It's been some of the most enjoyable 48 hours you've seen. We've gone from a lot of our fans thinking we're definitely going to get relegated on Saturday. And then only five days later, the Premier League, we are coming for you. Thanks for listening. And uh, I will be back after the match against Hull City. And uh, get subscribing. Tell everyone about it. Cheers. <laughs>